Welcome to Project ECHO. This is the University of Melbourne Hub Adolescent Mental Health Network, Series 3, Session 2. And I'd like to acknowledge the supporters of the Victorian Government for the production of this series. It's Tuesday, the 7th of June, and this session is titled Resilience Building After a Crisis. But before we move into these conversations, I'd like to begin with making an acknowledgement to country. I would like to begin by acknowledging the traditional owners and custodians of the lands from which we're zooming in from tonight. I'm zooming in from the lands of the Wurrung people, and I like to pay respects to elders past and present. Last week was um, Reconciliation Week, and we now have, I guess, a commitment to uh, implementing the Uluru Statement from the heart. So I think I hope that we can look forward to, um, you know, truth-telling and conversations about reconciliation more and more. Uh, I'd like to invite you if you um, would like to um, introduce yourself in the chat and let us know which traditional lands you're zooming in from this evening. I think that's really nice. And I'd like to, of course, extend that respect to other Aboriginal people connecting in this evening. In this series, we're going to focus on strengthening some of the foundations of good mental health. So this series will focus on safety, sleep, eating and relationships. Um, In our last session, Sandra explored the theme of mental health recovery and resilience, and we asked the questions, who was presenting, what are they presenting with, and what have been been their experiences through the pandemic crisis? We consider how this might have impacted upon normal development of a teen, you know, over the last couple of years with with what's been happening with um, the pandemic crisis and the relevant measures, and how might we consider a management plan that helps them to access Um, recovery. In this session, we'll focus a little deeper on some of the things that they may have missed out on and how we can build some of those internal resilience skills, capacities, and behaviours. Our case will focus on a young person who experienced many vulnerability and risk factors prior to the pandemic and is struggling to re-engage socially and academically and is now even in trouble with the law. So we'll be exploring how to build resilience in this young person's life through appropriate supports. All right, over to you, Sandra. Hi everyone, I'm Sandra. I'm a child and adolescent psychiatrist and I also work at Melbourne Uni in the Department of Psychiatry, a centre called Mindful. We do a whole lot of teaching and training for a wide variety of professionals in child and adolescent mental health. And it is very nice to be with you again this evening. So I guess, Bianca, I'm going to start to share screen and we... Yeah, are you happy to do the slides yourself? Yeah, yeah beautiful. Cool. Sure, sure. Just let me know that I've got the right one happening of my two when I get this when I get this sorted. Uh, no, wrong one. Let's do a little swap. Hmm. Is that have I got can somebody give me the thumbs up? Have I got the right thing? It's back on PowerPoint mode. If you do your share oh, screen again. Oh, let's. And we, I think we might just have a little delay. So, yep, that's, I've got that's it now. Yep, that's got it. it. Yep. All righty. Lovely. Okay, so this session we are going to try and think about this lovely but somewhat elusive concept of resilience and what can support coping that is more adaptive coping for young people and what can you do in your consultation uh, with young people and this idea of resilience skills how can we define those a little bit more what are we talking about oh sorry folks I'm having trouble with my oh here we are so 
Last session, uh, Bianca already said, we began to think about who are the young people that you're seeing uh, and where were they before this pandemic? And we can roughly think about three groups. The young people who are travelling okay, generally speaking, before the pandemic, those who already have mental health uh, difficulties and vulnerabilities and were struggling, and young people who have what we might think of as lots of social risk factors, uh, things that relate to family or community or other kinds of problems that means that perhaps they are not as well supported as some. And how do they present? Well, they present with the usual uh, collection of being anxious, having trouble with their mood, self-harming, school refusing, or indeed other people having problems, other people saying, you know, they're not doing so well with their grades or there's something wrong with their behaviour. And we think about and, and all of you in your work, think about what are the red flags? How do you begin to pick up red flags that has you thinking, hey, maybe this young person needs a bit more um, monitoring or a little bit more assistance? And our approaches are always thinking of universal, selective and targeted. The universal, good for everybody, young people that you see um, and young people that you might be reassuring or finding it a little bit from them, but nothing too concerning. Or then the selective group, the ones where you go, yeah, there are a few things here. It might be stuff around family violence. It might be other kinds of family difficulties. It might be a previous history of mental health problems. And we think of that group as, yeah, we, we want to keep a close eye on them and provide perhaps a bit more support. And then there's the targeted group, the, the ones at the top of the pyramid where they have got the problems, they already meet threshold for mental health difficulties, they're clearly struggling, not functioning, or indeed in crisis. And as we see young people, we do a bit of a sort in our mind, like where does this young person, where do they fit? When we swap to thinking about resilience in young people, we can probably think about three different theories that we'll say a bit more about, you know, the ecological, the social and cognitive, and something that someone dubbed the Thomas the Tank Engine theory, which is kind of cute. Um, and we have to think about these things now in the context of the pandemic, things are not the same as they might have been a few years ago. There's this added complexity. Ecological theory is really um, thinking of young people in their context, starting from you know the inner uh, circle and going outwards, and the inner being family, and then school and peers and uh, broader neighbourhoods and communities, sports clubs, and then, you know, right, right out in, the, in those uh, concentric circles, uh, cultural um, uh, issues can play out. And with young people, really in some regard, for all of us, the closest circles are the ones that can have the bigger impact, but then, of course, those things on the outer can sometimes also have enormous impact. And, of course, that's the pandemic, the thing that nobody was expecting uh, that has had all kinds of 
ramifications for everybody. And there is this notion of the difference between, uh, as, as is noted here, a tree that is growing in a biosphere versus a sapling in a forest. Now, what do we mean by that? We used this analogy, I think, last time, that a sapling in a forest is surrounded by lots and lots of growth and that growth uh, and those other big trees protected from big storms and big upheaval. But also there is still the buffeting. There is still the challenges. And this is different from a tree in a biosphere. I read some years ago that they had a go in these fantastic biospheres of growing very big trees. And they did grow to some quite significant height and then they just collapsed because without the buffeting of the storms, of the wind, of the rain, actually the cell structure does not develop enough to support the tree and the tree's growth. I thought that that was a really great metaphor for us to think about young people who need both. They need the challenges, they need the buffeting, and they need supports and they need scaffolding and trying to get that right. So for the last two years, these young people have been more like in the biosphere and less in the usual environment. And what's been the impact? Just sort of hold that thought. And, you know, I guess you're seeing that for the young people that you're now seeing as school returns. What about social learning theory? Well, we know that for young people, uh, the biggest uh, influences are indeed their peers and they look to their peers to learn how do I behave here? What do I feel about this? How do I think about this? And so that the learning from peers is really important and it gives some some templates for what to expect and and um, that that's been called those cognitive schemas uh, what can I expect in this situation what's going to happen here by also looking to peers and by those previous experiences again what's happened to our bunch of kids in the last two years where it's been different there hasn't been that mixing, uh, with peers, like going out, the being in school, they're doing all that kind of interaction and learning. Oops. And then, oh, the Thomas the Tank Engine theory, which is a cute way of really thinking about what trajectory is this young person on? Are they travelling okay? And we, we are both looking backwards and looking forwards. We are thinking about what's their biological vulnerability or the genetic vulnerability. What's happened so far in their lives and where are they in their development? Are they on track or are they not on track? And we all know that transitions in particular are really high-risk times. And here transitions in the usual sense are starting school, 
going from primary to secondary school, finishing school. But then there are a whole lot of firsts. You know, there is having a first job, having a first romantic relationship um, and, you know, trying things out for the first time and having some, I guess, mastery of that or not, or having some, how do I, how do, I do these things? We are acutely aware of the transition times and we are looking to see how's this young person doing? And of course, we've had a pandemic. So the transition earlier this year was in fact coming back to ordinary school, trying to get back into the routine. How successfully or not has a young person achieved this? And this is just a fabulous picture. The world is temporarily closed. And didn't it feel like that for all of us? Something very weird has happened. Um, and in Melbourne in particular, the world seemed to be closed for quite a long time. As you meet young people, of course, they're not, they don't all start from the same starting blocks. We know that. So your young person that you have where are they starting off with how many pre-existing vulnerabilities or stresses or other things that make it hard for them? And then what happens along the way? And again, how many hurdles, how many um, obstacles or the flip side, how many supports to be able indeed to manage what we think of as ordinary uh, perhaps ordinary stresses to be able to negotiate them, never mind the more extraordinary ones. And in, in this journey from, if you like, before to now, this two-year journey, what helps, what, what has helped and what can help young people to do that catching up, that from the biosphere, from the weird uh, environment that we've all been in to the more usual back back in the forest back with all with everything how do we help young people in that catch up and this that this notion of enhancing resilience and holding that in mind and you know um i think this can be a bit tricky to do. Uh, I think we, as uh, particularly as medical practitioners, those of us who are, have been very much trained in sort out the problem, you know, find the problem and sort out the problem. So to flip this around and go, what are the things that promote resilience um, sometimes does not come quite as easily to us. And here we, we are trying to come back to what are those supports? What are those things that scaffold help young people? What about internally within the young person? How can they develop uh, skills that help them? And how can we open a space up to begin to think about things that are, I wonder if, I wonder wonder how that was for you. Oh, gee, 
you know, other young people have thought of this or thought of that. Things I'm sure you all do naturally, and it serves it serves to model that things can be talked about, things can be thought about, things can be pondered. We may not have answers. We might have to do a trial and error on some things. If we break that down a little bit more, let's kind of look at a few things. All right, adversity strikes. And what are the thinking styles that are more adaptive or or more thinking skills rather than styles that are more adaptive? The capacity to actually understand your reality and really take stock. Uh, Where am I at? What's happened? And to have a realistic appraisal is a skill rather than to avoid or to minimise or to, you know, the other way around, to to over-dramatise, but that the reality of what has happened and to be able to do that. A skill of trying to be optimistic about the future, being able to go, okay, well, things are pretty tough and maybe things are hard here in this particular area, but, hey, you know, it'll, it'll be okay. Uh, they're really good skills to have. Let's, again, see what sits beneath that if we, again, try and unpack this a little bit more. If you want to have or if you're hoping that you're going to have thinking skills of being able to appraise your reality, being able to be optimistic, then there's something about values. Being what are the values for this young person? Now, I'm a good person. I'm a good friend. I try hard. I do my best. Family is important. Whatever those values are, how can we help young people think about their values? Likewise, self-efficacy, the capacity to have that sense of, oh, I can manage. I can learn this. I can do this. Um, you know, I'll get over this. What supports, of course, we've mentioned those, and well-being. Young people who are physically or mentally unwell are really not, to state the obvious, are not at their best to be able to cope with adversity. So we're also checking in. How's this young person with their physical health or any worries? How are they with their mental health? Uh, And it's these things support a more adaptive thinking. Uh, And when when you think about those things and maybe hold in mind some of the young people that you've seen and and see currently, and where are they? Where are they with their capacity to think about values, their appraisal of themselves in a realistic way in their own capabilities, their appraisal of what supports are available to them and their capacity to use those, and are they okay? Important question. And then from that, there is this next set of skills that 
I guess we all get to learn as we uh, as we grow from childhood into young adulthood that we need to persevere. We need to stick at things. But things don't fall into place sometimes um, as easily as we we would like. Or we have to have courage. We have to try things even when it doesn't feel very good. Uh, and that we have to take some responsibility. When I say we, I mean a young person, a young person growing up, has to at some point begin to take ownership of having choices, um, there being consequences, it's not everybody else's fault, and that adaptability versus a rigidity. So when you have a young person in a consult with uh, you or, or with me, how do you tease that out? How do you help them grow those skills that maybe they haven't even thought of before about themselves, about themselves as being a good friend or, you know, a caring person, a person who has courage, a, a person who can stick at things. We have an opportunity, I think, to underline these things or to help young people consider these things. And last but not least, she says, getting a pointer, um, Bianca, you had this magnificent photographs. I wonder whether you want to say something about this. Yeah, so on these slides, as they looked at some of these resilient skills, I think they talked about and strategies, um, focus on goals rather than problems. And I'd just been um, hearing um, Amra Kehasim, who I think is pictured with the holding the yellow football, um, talk about her story, which was that she uh, wanted to um, really kind of challenge the way people thought about um, young Muslim women um, and had thought, well, maybe the best way to do it would be to just start up a football team. And she got together a group of women who'd never played football before. And in fact, they're in Western Sydney, which is more of a rugby culture. So there really wasn't this knowledge of Aussie rules. And they just got together and played. And, um, you know, she said that the first couple of years, they just got thrashed. They lost by kind of hundreds of points every, every time, but they just had such a good time. And the way they kind of what they did is that they really tried to focus on achievable goals in each game. They didn't worry about the score or winning. They just looked at the things that they could do. So one week it would be, let's focus in where, you know, the, these guys have got a lot of skills, but we can tackle. Let's just focus in on tackling and let them not move. And at the end of the, each game, if they felt they'd achieved their goals, they would celebrate and have a great time. And, um, and the team ended up, I think, eventually progressing up to um, rep side and even being nominated to get into the professional league which they decided not to take on because it wasn't goals um, aligned for them um, but the story really was just how important it was for them as they um, I guess connected with one another and with a real sense of um, you know community uh, that importance of focusing on what they could achieve rather than than winning each week and I, I just thought that was a really nice message and something that I think I reflected upon after our last session um, with the case of this young woman who was really wanting to um, achieve in year 12 and we all reflected last time didn't we that with all the things that have been going on maybe in fact it's a time for us to think about setting really goal, goals that kind of are, are quite proximal to what that person feels they can achieve at this time, maybe rather than what they 
thought they might achieve before this pandemic hit. So really focusing then on their strengths, um, building strengths, considering recovery and uh, focusing on um, achievable solutions, I think, were the, were the messages that I thought, um, you know, this story perhaps uh, brings, brings to light.